morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. We are here with Dr. Stevie Don Carter, and she's going to help us with the whole idea of using speaking to increase your reach. Uh, We've been talking a lot recently in the membership about what I call guesting, you know, showing up on someone else's stage or blog. Uh, But she's going to talk specifically about sort of professional speaking and how that can expand your reach. So welcome, Stevie. Hi. Thank you so much for having me um, this morning, this afternoon, this evening. (laughs) (laughs) I always hate on podcasts when somebody says just good morning because that's really presumptive that I'm going to listen to this podcast in the morning. So we got all our bases covered here. Absolutely. Indeed. Indeed. Why don't you tell everybody what you do? Yeah. So I am a professional speaker and coach based out of Mansfield, Texas, which is just a little south of Fort Worth. Um, I'm a four-time business owner. So I've done business in all different areas from fine art to coaching to dance to professional speaking. And my goal has always been to help people create unstoppable success. So today, a lot of entrepreneurs hire me because they're looking for somebody to be the shark in their business, somebody who is willing to be confident and decisive because they have unrealized profits or unlived aspirations, I think, for a lot of people. And so I help them to focus on mindset, to create a signature talk, and bring speaking into their business as a way to grow their marketing, to grow their reach, and then to really just continue to swim forward. Because what we know about a shark is a shark always keeps swimming. So that's what we want in our business, and that's what we want in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. How did you get into the world of speaking? Yeah, I think for me, if I really trace it back. It really is something I've done my entire life. I was a theater rat as a kid. So I was in musical theater and on stage all the time. So stages in general uh, don't intimidate me. I feel comfortable on a stage. So I think some of my professional speaking now really started back then. But really, my, my direct link is I was a college professor. I was a college professor for over 12 years and just got to a point where I needed to do something else, started a company and quickly found that my sweet spot is delivering training and inspiration through professional speaking. So that's kind of how I ended up in this area. But now I really can tie it back to childhood and say, <laughs> this is probably what I should have been doing all along. Yep. I just didn't realize. Oh, it. yeah. We all have that. <laughs> We're all like, oh, yes. no, yeah. If I'd been paying attention back then, if you just look I, like this, yes. is, this is something I've always been doing. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I finally feel, you know, as I uh, get closer to 40, that I finally know what I was supposed to be when I grew up. And it's this. Fantastic. <laughs> Love it. Uh, So talk to me a little bit about uh, kind of the power of speaking for a business owner. How does it change your business? Yeah, you know, I I never really thought about it, right? When I first started as a business owner and just doing speaking was part of my business. So I never really thought about speaking as marketing. But as I continued to speak and as I continued to coach other entrepreneurs and growing their businesses, I started to realize that speaking does pretty much three amazing 
things for your business. Three amazing things that speaking does. Number one is that speaking does allow you to be seen as an expert and an authority figure in your field. So whether you have products or you have services, the fact that you can get up and speak about a topic makes you a go-to expert. And that can really help you grow your business, right? So that was number one. I'm like, okay, it positions you well, great. Second thing I learned about speaking is that it gets you in front of so many more eyeballs so quickly. You know, mm -hmm. in the world we live in right now, everything's about online, right? Online, social media, Facebook ads, marketing, all of these things. And that's all great. And yes, you can be a worldwide success. But the truth is, you have to get those people to find your stuff. And we all know that that can be hard. If 4% of our people who follow us actually see our social media posts, we're doing really good, 4%. So really, are we getting huge reach? No, but I can get on stage and have 200 people see me all at the same time. Yeah, and those are and I know they're engaged me. people, right? They paid to be there, yes. they chose to be there. They chose to be there. They're in, they probably came because they want the topic I'm talking about. So this is a target-rich environment, right? And so I'm like, gosh, you know, speaking gets you in front of eyeballs so much faster. And that can be so helpful for a business. And then the third thing I realized, of course, is that speaking is a way to sell. You can sell from the stage. You can sell your expertise. You can sell your knowledge. You can sell your products. But it gives you a platform to do so where you've already got the engaged audience and you've already got the expertise and authority. So speaking sells. And that's something that truly has opened the door to a lot of my clients' businesses is just the idea that they can truly sell from the stage being a speaker. For most of your clients, uh, do they come to you at, at the beginning when they're first trying to to kind of break into speaking or do they come because they want to make a, you know, make more impact with the speaking they're already doing? Yeah, I would say it's probably about 80-20. I would say 80% okay. of my clients really come to me at the beginning. They know that they're growing a business. They're thinking speaking might be a good way to grow business, but they're just not sure how to break in and how to get started with it, right? So that's about 80%. I do have about 20% of my clientele who are coming to me because they already are doing speaking, but it's not making them six figures or more. So they're kind of in that spot of 70K to 100K, but they can't seem to break six figures. Mm -hmm. And so they're wondering if there's something they could do differently in their speaking that would get them over that mile marker. So then we're looking at language and tailoring and sales techniques and all those kinds of things. So I would say it's about 80-20, but the majority of my clientele is at that first beginning stage where they're just starting to think, maybe I could speak, but I'm not exactly sure what that means. Okay, perfect. So let's talk then about kind of the, the the crash course in your first speaking engagement. What is the first thing you want anybody who's interested in speaking to do? Well, first thing is you got to know what you're going to speak on. Right. Right. Yeah. So you have to find some topic, something that you're going to share. Um, you know, I think for some people, it's super easy. If you are a business coach, you can talk business strategy. That's pretty easy. If you're a health coach, you're probably talking about health. So there are some people that I think have it easier to find. One of my favorite clients that I worked with um, years ago, they sell outdoor lighting for your house. Let's just think about that for a second. Mm -hmm. They sell a service. They right. come in and install lighting on your house. 
but it is a product, yeah, right? Yeah. And so a lot of times people struggle to think about what would I talk about? I mean, am I going to just talk about lighting? <laughs> because I mean, at a certain point, is that really interesting to people? Right. Yeah. And so what we did is we crafted a talk for them about home security. Sure. Yeah. Because one of the things they knew is that if you have good lighting on your home at night, you are less likely to fall victim to burglary. That makes total sense. So, right? Which when you think about it, it's like, oh, well, of course. So <laughs> we were able to craft a talk for them about five things to make your home a safer place. And they pulled in some things that were not related to lighting, but then they also talked about lighting. And what it did is it made them an expert in home safety and security. And then they connected it to their lighting products and were able to build their business doing yeah. that. So I think the first thing you have to do is figure out what are you going to talk about? And that can take some effort. And if anybody is listening to this and struggling with that, it's one of my favorite things to do. Just send me a message. I will help you come up with what you talk about. That is not a problem. Um, we can always figure it out. It just takes a little ingenuity. Right. But so that's like step one, figure out what you're going to talk about. Step two, who actually wants to hear about that? So that's right? interesting. Because you have them start yeah. with what they want to talk about as opposed to what yes. the market. Yes. Tell me more about this. So the thing about it is when we go market first, we have a tendency to try and do whatever we think the market wants, which may not be a comfort area for us. Mm. And that's going to impact your speaking. You're not going to feel as good on stage. You're not going to feel like you can really deliver. And when people ask you questions, you're going to start to feel like less of an expert. So what I have found with my clients is let's pick what you want to speak on, what you think is going to get people. Let's pick that where you feel good about it. You're like, yes, this matters. This is important. Then let's go find the people who need that. Sure. Right. So in our in our home safety thing, we targeted moms groups. Mm -hmm. Moms care about safety at their home. So let's talk about that. Right. That was not necessarily their target market beforehand. Sure. But that was the target market for that speech. Yeah. And they could create other speeches and then find other target markets for that. So I do think the first step is what do you want to talk about? Because, yes, you can talk about 800 different things, but the things you are most passionate are the things that will sell. Absolutely. So let's not change ourselves too much for a target because then we're not going to deliver the best performance. So second step is who needs to hear that message? Where can you find impact in that message? And in my experience, it's usually a lot of different groups. It's not just one group. There's a lot of different ways that you can bring your talk to different groups. But let's start figuring out what those groups are. And the thing is, there's a lot of groups that need speakers. And they're always looking for speakers and don't have enough people volunteering. So there's plenty of speaking opportunities if you're willing to start looking at what groups might be together that you could speak in front of that would want to hear your message. So second thing, find those groups. Who are those people that you want to be in front of? And then the third thing, start putting yourself in front of the decision makers for those types of groups. So whether you are looking at chambers of commerce, always need speakers. Rotary clubs, always need speakers. Um, networking groups constantly need guest presenters. Facebook groups always looking for people to add value. There are tons of different types of groups that are always looking for speakers. You just have to now start narrowing it down to that target market you want to serve 
and that message that you have to deliver. So would you say that only people who are willing to kind of travel or speak in person can can incorporate speaking into their overall strategy? You know, if you had asked me that two years ago, mm-hmm. I probably would I probably would have said yes. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the pandemic showed us that there is no limit sure. to how speaking can occur, right? I still did just as many speaking engagements in 2020 as I did in 2019. They were just different. They were online. They were virtual. So I don't think you have to be into travel. I don't think you have to be somebody who wants to take, you know, five hours out of your day to drive halfway across the the city to try and do this work. I think you can do a lot virtually. Mm-hmm. It's just, again, about finding those groups that are taking on virtual speakers. I will tell you that organizations, um, if you're looking at companies, in my experience, take on less virtual speakers. They want in-person stuff. But a lot of your networking groups and a lot of your more informal meetup groups, they will totally do virtual. Mm-hmm. So it's just about finding what your group wants. But I absolutely think that you can be in the virtual space and still be super successful using speaking to grow your business. And this goes back to something that I talk a ton with my clients about, which is always making sure that the ways you are sort of feeding your business are ways that you enjoy doing. Because if your business only survives if you fly eight places a month, and the reason you started your business was because you wanted to be home with your kid, we're going to have a problem. So even more so in sort of the post-COVID environment, we have a – we have the ability to design this this essentially lead generation strategy to fit Mm -hmm. the lifestyle that we want to have. And so – Maybe that means you do lots of virtual and then you do four ba- bigger engagements where you you travel or you um, are, are away from your family or away from your home or away from whatever. Yeah, I think that's so true and such a good point, right? We have to do what fits for us. I personally love to travel. <laughs> that was one of the hardest things for me during the pandemic. I usually do two to three trips per month. And of course, I went a whole 16 months without doing a single trip. Um, So so that was definitely a change. But to your point, but that's what suits my life and that's what I want, right? Whereas somebody else doesn't want that, they don't need to do that. The other thing I would say is if you're really using speaking as a lead generation tool, don't wait for somebody else to give you a stage. Create your own. Sure. One of the things I did so successfully during COVID, and I'm so proud of myself for doing it because it was not something I would have done before, is I did a ton of webinars where I hosted them. Mm-hmm. I, I got I got online and I hosted webinars to serve the community. Absolutely free, no real sales pitch, just gaining visibility and putting myself out there. And that translated into creating my own summits, creating my own full day events. And now that we're even going back to in-person events again, I'm still working on creating those virtual event spaces because I believe that when you build your own stage, then you get to control that environment. And if you build your own stage virtually, then it can absolutely be 100% virtual. And it can also translate to in-person if you'd like. You have that flexibility. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every single time. So going back to – kind of this this intro to speaking sort of angle that we talked about for a second there. 
What do you, uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking very much about speaking as lead generation at, again, with that positioning and the sales that you talked about as those, those effects of speaking. What is the follow through required or what needs to be set up to capture those potential leads when you're going into a speaking environment? Because you can't just show up, yeah. talk and leave. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think, you know, there's definitely lots of different ways to do it. Sure. Um, here, but some of my favorites, right? Number one, have some kind of free gift. Okay. Right now we see this a lot in the virtual space, some kind of freebie, some kind of opt-in, but you can deliver that both virtually and in person. Virtually is a little bit easier. I can pop a link in the chat and somebody can download something. And I, of course, email gate it. So they have to give me their email to get that. But it's a free gift. Easy way to grow your list and to grow your visibility. The other thing is when you're in person, you can have them do a text code. Or you can have them just sign up with their email address and you will add them to that list. Get them that freebie even after the event. So there's a lot of ways to do it, but one of the things you have to do is you have to have some kind of free gift, something that's going to get them to engage with you past today, right? Whatever that looks like for you. And do you you generally say that that has to be sort of kind of the lead magnet style, you give me your email, I give you some more information? Absolutely. I think that's the best way to do it. Um, I do believe that an email list is a very powerful marketing right. tool. So I want you to have that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the easiest way to do it. Um, there are, of course, other ways you can do just handouts. I do when I do a lot of corporate training. Um, they don't necessarily want you to get everybody's email address when you're hired to go in and work for a company, which I totally understand from a privacy issue. So um, a lot of companies, what I do is I have handouts for my presentation. Those handouts will include um, my email address, my text number, and my website. Mm -hmm. So that the thought being, and I let people know while I'm training, you know, by the way, my contact information is on here. Please reach out if you need anything. And then I might sometimes say, depending on the group, and on my website, you can sign up for. Sure. Right. And let them know there's something there that they can sign up for. So that's another way to do it. Um, and then the third way, and this is, of course, the best way if you're trying to actually get sales from a speaking engagement is offer them a call, uh, a call with you to jump on the phone with you. Or if you're selling more of a product, ask them to meet you at your table. Maybe you're, you're you have a table of your healthcare supplements that you're going to talk about. So you can, after your speech, walk over to your table, have them meet you at your table. That's another way to do it. But I, I really love the idea of get on a call with me and let's talk about what's going on and how I can help you. So a call for a free consultation, a call to find out more, any of those kinds of things. If you can get people to sign up for a call, those are your hot leads. And those are the ones that are gonna really translate into ROI for you from that speaking engagement. And I do that several different ways. If I'm virtually, again, it can be a link to my calendar that I just pop in a chat. If it's in person, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll make a little kind of a little cardstock um, request card, if you will. Mm -hmm. And it has on there for them to put their name, their email address. And then I have checkboxes. What are you interested in? Right. Are you interested in my free gift? Are you interested in signing up for a call? 
are you interested in hearing about my next training session? Like I have some checkboxes and it's just their name and their email and I collect those at the end of my presentation. And that then gives me the follow up afterwards. So any of those ways can work, but you definitely need to have some way to capture the people who are interested in you from the stage. Beautiful. So this is something we talk a lot about uh, in in my membership program is really mapping this journey from the, the lead generation where they know that you exist all the way through nurturing them. And speaking itself is the nurturing them often in a lot of ways. You know, just going through mm-hmm. the talk is where they get to know you and trust your expertise and get excited yes. about you. And then that Absolutely. last stage of, of kind of capturing and sales becomes uh, really about creating a direct point of contact with them, whether that be getting them on your email list or like you said, getting them into a call. I think the most important thing that you should take away from kind of her options on how you could do that is that you just have to make sure you have a complete path, right? You have a complete system that is not, you know, just letting everybody fall through the cracks that each person is walked through. Maybe there's a couple different options about how they could engage, but they all have a completeness to their journey. Yes, absolutely. Whether you're doing an email funnel, whether you're doing um, just a collect the cards and reach out to people afterwards, definitely have your process written out. Um, Have your process written out, have it designed, and make sure you know that this is the process I follow when people sign up so that you're truly not letting those people fall through the cracks and you're really focused on getting them to whatever that that last step is. For most of us, that last step is actually get them on the email list. We try and do a bunch of other things before that happens. And then it's get them on the email list. And the hope is then through your email list nurturing, they're going to come back around and be right. your client again. Almost as like a, the- a, a safety net for anybody who falls through yeah. the cracks and doesn't end up you know, booking a call. They, they're exactly. still going to be connected to you. Exactly. And I do um, have two different email lists, and this has been super helpful for me as a speaker. So if this helps anybody out there listening, I have two separate email lists. I have my weekly email, which is my email nurturing, the majority of my audience, all of that. I have a separate email, which is speaking email. And what that is, is that's anybody who just wants to know when they can come hear me speak. People who are just interested in me speaking, like to hear me speak, like to come to free trainings. They just want to know about events. They don't really want weekly contact. They're not really in that position to buy. I have that email and that goes out monthly. Every month, I send them an email with, here's all my speaking engagements that you can be a part of this month. And what I have found is that particular email makes me just as much money, if not more, than my weekly. Beautiful. Because people come and hear you speak again, and then they hear you speak a third time, and now they really love you. Right. And now they want to do all the things. And so it really can help if you are doing a lot of speaking. And my first year of business, I did 150 speaking engagements. Wow, that's fantastic. first year. It was a ton. And I spoke to groups at 4 a.m. I spoke to groups at 8 p.m. I spoke to groups that have four people. I spoke to groups that have 400. I was not choosy. I just got out there to share my message because I knew that that was going to be a great way to market. And so I did all that. But the cool thing was, right, the people who had heard me more than once 
are much more likely to be a client. Absolutely. So if you can get somebody to hear you one time, but you're doing more than that, get them on a speaking email list where you send them your other engagements, have them engage with you multiple times. Now you're going to make bigger sales. So I think that's important too, for those that use speaking truly as part of the marketing. Mm -hmm. Also think about how do you get people? Yes, they've already seen you once. But could they see you more than once? Could they come to another event? Are you hosting something? Like mm-hmm. all of that can really translate into ROI from your speech. And shifting them from they saw you on someone else's stage to they saw you on your own stage. Yes, yes. Another big difference there, right? What I know is that people who come to my events where I host them, those are my biggest champions. Those are most likely to be my clients. Mm-hmm. People who saw me on somebody else's stage, but that's their only introduction to me. If they don't kind of engage with that email, then that's going to be it. They're going to be done, right? But if I can get them to engage with me on my own stage, we have a lot more of a connection. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Talk to me about the what everybody wants to do at speaking engagements, which is to throw out their social media as opposed to a newsletter list. Where does social media play into this for you? Yeah. So for me, I always have my social media icons, my handle, whatever Mm -hmm. it is you're using. I always have that on my slides or on my handout somewhere for them to do it. I always ask them in the beginning of the speech and at the end, make sure you connect with me on social media. Here's where I hang out. Right. I prefer to hang out on Facebook. So I let them know that like message me on Facebook. You're more likely to get a response quicker than if you message me on IG. But that's just me. So I think it's okay to mention it, and I think it's good to put it out there. But the truth is, unless you have them do something with that, what they will say to themselves in that moment is, oh, yeah, I should do that. And then they're just going to forget. Yeah. <laughs> they they got a lot else oh, going yeah. on. So if you have the ability in your presentation to engage with them on social media during the presentation, That's where you can get real good ROI from your social media. So, for example, I did a presentation a couple weeks ago, large audience, about 150, 200 people. And what I did is I said, now, I made a post this morning all about a goldfish. And if you go and you like that post and you comment, I'm going to send you a free gift. But you got to go. You got to like that post and you got to comment. And, it, and there was this whole story that went along with the goldfish and all that. So I made it sound like a really cool thing. Um, but the point was, they got out their phones during my presentation. They connected with me on LinkedIn and they commented on that post. So it helped my social media algorithm and it got me those connections. And I knew that anybody who connected that way was from this event. I then reached out to each of them on LinkedIn, said, thank you so much for participating. Here's your free gift. I also emailed them. Wonderful. So you can also do that with your social media if you have something that makes that work. I've seen people do contests during their speeches, like which whoever reshares this and gets the most likes is going to get two free hours of coaching. And so then they're kind of, it, you're trying to incentivize them to connect with you on social media and to share something on social media. And that's going to help both of you. So, you know, I think there's a lot you can do with it, but just asking for them to follow you, 
that can kind of be hit or miss. I think that goes back to something that uh, people really need to focus on, which is giving people a specific reason why they should join an email list or follow you or go to your website, giving them a real like, this is what is here if you go there, as opposed to just an open-ended, you know, it's it's like if if you were to say, hey guys, meet me at Target. There's no reason for me to go to Target. You haven't given me an incentive. It's about you, right? You said, I'm going to be at Target. No one would go. But if you said, I'm going to be at Target giving away free stuff, I would go. Yep. Right? Yeah. You're giving them Absolutely. a what happens if I follow through on this action? What happens yes. if I and connect on social media or I join your email list? What can I expect to get out of it? Because people are looking for how it benefits them, not just how they can sort of support you or, you know, nobody nobody's really that engaged with helping your social media following. That's not something they're invested in. No, there has to be something in it for them. And you bring up such a great point right there. We always need to think about whatever you're giving it has to provide value to them, not to you, right? You know you're going to get the value by being up on that stage. You need to make sure you provide value to them, value to them in your content, value to them in anything you ask for them to do. So whether that's through social media, whether that's joining an email list, I mean, I don't think any of us are just super excited to sign up for somebody's weekly newsletter. My, that doesn't really sound exciting. My least anymore. favorite is tell me. <laughs> sign up for updates. The only people who want updates oh, yeah. from me is my mom. Like, yes, your family wants updates, but everybody yes. else, do they really want updates? <laughs> yes. Right? So give them something. Have some kind of a freebie, have something of value that they get. Yes, are they also going to get the updates? Absolutely. But that's not the selling point. Right. So let's make sure there's something of value that they get for connecting with you. And then you can build from there. Especially with freebies, I think that that's an area that really needs to be one of those over deliver areas of your business because we are inundated with opt ins and freebies online and even in, in, in these in person events. And so immediately when they get that freebie, they really need to feel like it had value. You know, if I get a freebie and I find it's a like half page bulleted list, I am going right back to unsubscribe because it's there's just so many things coming into everyone's inbox. So along those same lines, making sure that. Whatever value you're providing isn't overhyped, right? It's not sign up for my newsletter for groundbreaking information, and then it's the same thing that I could, would get if I Googled. Right. Yes, it has to be something valuable, and I, I agree with you. I think the idea of this is a great place to over-deliver. I will tell you that in all my years of doing freebies, I've had one freebie that made me the most money. <laughs> it was the hardest freebie to create took me the longest um, because it was actually a 50 page ebook. Yeah. And there was a lot there. There was a lot of content. It had some workbook kind of elements as well, but there was a ton of content. It took me a long time to create it. And it was for a very specific topic, but I found that more people signed up from that ebook, more people took action from that ebook then some of the more, to your point, bulleted item, very short and sweet kind of freebies that I've done before and after. 
right? So I think it really is about thinking, how can you over deliver in this area? And you will see that benefit if you put in that effort. And it's not terribly hard because our expectations are a little bit low when something's a freebie. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. to wow people, it's totally worth it. Doesn't and totally take a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But super important. Talk to me about a couple other things for people to keep in mind in those first few speaking engagements, because those are always the scariest as we get used to this new environment. Yeah, I think one of the things to always be aware of is that uh, speaking on stage will always feel very different no matter how much you've practiced, no matter how much you rehearsed it. There are always going to be things that are different when you're live and in front of an audience or even virtually in front of an audience. So number one, give yourself a lot of grace. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. You're going to do things and, you know, they're going to say, hey, Um, We'd love to have you speak for 20 minutes and then they're going to have other things at that meeting run late and you're going to be down to 10 or five Mm -hmm. and you're going to have to adjust. So give yourself grace. It's not going to be perfect. I don't think there is such a thing as a perfect speaking engagement. Um, Something always happens. Something always catches you off guard. So, So give yourself a lot of grace for that. Be willing to adjust and make mistakes. And I think the biggest thing is If you go in knowing your content, knowing your content backwards and forwards, all the other pieces, like how you introduce yourself, how you do the wrap up, do you do a pitch, do you engage with the audience, like all of those other pieces really come into play only if your content is great. So I would spend your time focusing on your content and knowing it backwards and forwards so that if you have to adjust it, you feel comfortable with that. The other pieces of the of the speech are important, but they're only important if your content is great. Sure. Because if your content isn't great, none of the other stuff matters. So and people will I be able to feel if you like your content. Yes, they can feel your emotion. So if you're excited, if you're passionate, that's the best place to be. And even if you do, and I know um, when I was first starting, I wasn't really good at judging how much content meant how much time right right you kind of get a sixth sense for it as you go right you get that sixth sense of okay i know how many points and i know how many slides and all that as you get used to it but in the beginning i didn't so i remember having a speaking engagement that i was supposed to fill 45 minutes i got done with my content in 20 (laughs) and i was like what do i do for the next 25 minutes and so i just I, i was honest right? I was honest and transparent. I said, hey, everyone. So that's my content. That's what I really wanted to share with you. So what I'd like to do now is just open it up for conversation. And I just let it become a group discussion at that point. Because I was like, you know what, I don't have it. I'm not going to fake it. I don't have anything else. So this is where I'm at. But that still was a dynamic presentation because they got to get engaged and involved. And so it worked out just fine. So don't freak out, I think would be another tip. Don't freak out when that kind of stuff happens. It's going to happen. Turn it into conversation. Turn it into a group discussion. Ask other people what they think. Make it so you fill up your time. Don't worry if your content goes too fast in the beginning. That's okay. It probably means that you talked really fast and you'll slow down as you Mm -hmm. go. But the more you can feel confident that you know your content and that you're talking about something that matters to you, a lot of the other stuff that goes wrong will not matter. And you'll just get better at it as you go. Absolutely. 
to shift gears away from the beginner, uh, eventually after someone's been speaking for a little bit, a lot of people want to monetize their speaking and get paid for the actual speaking part, not just for kind of selling their product from the stage. How does someone make that shift? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that makes that shift for a lot of people is target audience. Mm -hmm. There are certain groups that are never going to pay you to speak, right? They just, they don't have budget for speakers. Every every speaker is a volunteer. You're never going to get paid. So you have to know that know who your target is, know what speaking engagements you're looking for. Um, Conferences, right? A lot of people are like, oh, I want to go be a keynote at a conference. And that's a great avenue. But a lot of conferences want you to start out as a breakout speaker. And a lot of conferences aren't going to pay you as a breakout speaker. They only pay their keynotes. So for you to kind of work your way through that conference and get to know people, you might have to do it for free for a while before you get paid. So I think the first thing is knowing, do they have a budget for speaking? Is this something they're going to pay for? And then do your research on how much they typically spend. Because the worst thing you can do is blow them out of the water with your amount and then never get a call back. So if their speaking budget is $5,000 and you put in a proposal and say, I'll come and speak for $25,000, they're just not going to respond because it's too dynamically different. So do your research. Find out what kind of fees they usually pay speakers. And if you ask that question, you will typically get a pretty decent range where they'll tell you. I've asked people, so how much do you usually have in your speaker fee budget? And they'll say, oh, well, you know, I mean, we might be able to get 2000 but, you know, we usually like to stay around 500 That gives you an answer that then you know if you're going to be able to fit in that budget or not. So I think do your research and have that knowledge. But really shifting gears into getting paid is really asking that question. What's your budget for this event for your speakers? So many places pay, but we don't know they pay because we never ask the question. And they're not going to offer to pay you <laughs> if they can get it for free. Sure. Okay. That, that's, I mean, and that's not mean. That's just natural human behavior. If they think that you'll do it for 500, they're not going to offer you 50,000. So right. what you have to do is you have to ask, what's your budget for speaking? And I always let that be my lead question. I ask that to everybody. I let them tell me. If they tell me we don't really have a budget or we don't have much of a budget, what's your average like what's your traditional cost, I will tell them what my cost is and I will see what they say. But the thing is, that's always done over a phone call. Don't try and negotiate money through email. It's never going to go well Um, because they're not going to really want to respond unless it's affirmative, right? You only negotiate through email if you know the answer is going to be yes. They've told you that they have a budget of 5,000 and you only charge two. Okay, great. You can send that through email. They're going to say yes to that. That's easy. But if you are not sure what their budget is or you haven't had that conversation, definitely make it a phone call and just start with that question. What is your budget? Listen to their response and then decide what you want to do. There are lots of times where I will say, well, my typical speaking fee is, and I give the typical amount, whatever it is for that engagement, can range anywhere from $2,500 to $5,000, $10,000. It depends on the engagement. So I'll tell them, typically, this is what it is. 
And then I can decide, do I want to work with them and negotiate that? There are some groups that I am willing to get in front of because I know I always make a whole lot more money from selling right. from the stage. So I don't need them to pay me a lot because, hey, I'm going to make it in the back end. I'm not worried about it. But I have to be willing to say my price. And I would tell you when you're first starting out, just pick a price, say it, and stick to your guns. Let the market tell you if it's too high, too low. Because I started out way too low. And <laughs> I once does. I realized that, <laughs> right? I, I probably gave up hundreds of thousands of dollars my first couple of years because I started out, I was like, uh, $250, <laughs> right? And they were like, sure. Like, Absolutely. My $250, you know, so then I was like, okay, that's too little. So then I raised it and I did 500 and then I jumped from 500 to 1,000, and then I jumped from 1,000 to 1,500. At the 1,500 mark, I started to get more no's, right? That was keeping me out of budgets that were right around that $1,000 mark. Mm -hmm. So the 1,500 kept me out of those. But also I noticed, but if I went to larger organizations, the 1,500 wasn't a problem. So then right. I went up to 2,500. So you start just kind of figuring out where that sweet spot is. Mm -hmm. And what I tell my clients all the time is, what you charge is totally up to you, but what you charge will dictate how many engagements you get. The higher your fee is, if you are a $20,000 speaker, and I have a coach who that's what she charges, she's $20,000 just for her to show up, right? If you're a $20,000 speaker, she doesn't speak 80 times a year. No. She speaks 10 to 20 times a year because it's a very specific client that will afford that amount. Mm -hmm. If you're a $250 speaker, you can probably speak every single day of a year. You can probably find an engagement if you're at $250. So some of your pricing is not only what you feel good about, but also how many times do you wanna speak? Absolutely. Because some people love to do it. Some people, well, I wanna do it enough that it makes me my money, but I don't wanna do it too much. Mm -hmm. So you kind of decide that as well. So that would be another tip I would give people is when you're choosing pricing, think about that as well. I love to speak, so I don't charge as much as I could charge because I like to have 100 engagements a year that are paid. This goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning. Again, you're designing this around what you want. If I know you. that I yep. am never going to speak more than once a month, then I need to be able to make enough money on a you know, mm -hmm. 10 to 12 speaking engagements a year to be yep. happy with that, that outlay of time. So always looking at sort of the lifestyle and then making the business decisions based on that. Absolutely. 110%. Design it around you and what you want, and it'll always work in your favor. To kind of finish us out, I'm going to ask you the question that I ask absolutely everyone who comes on here. How do you okay. stay focused in your business? Huh. That's a great question. Um, how do I stay focused? So I don't focus uh, – on money, I focus on happiness. Mm -hmm. And so what I do is every day when I look at my to-do list and there are things that I have to do that I don't want to do that don't make me happy, I always try and think about what are they leading me to that does. This is leading me to the life that I want. This is leading me to the clients that I want, whatever that is. I focus every day on how do I make myself 1% happier today? And when I do that, 
my focus shifts from being, oh, I need to procrastinate. Oh, I don't want to do this. Oh, I hate doing invoicing. It shifts from that to being forward focused. If I get these things done, I will be 1% happier. If I get these things done, I'm moving my life forward. So I really focus on that and allow that to help me focus on the business. Um, the other thing I would say, I think, and this is probably something you've heard a thousand times, but find your driver. Fi find what drives you and what motivates you and push through on that, whether that's time with your family and freedom, whether that's happiness, whether that's travel, whatever it is that made you start this business. What is your why? Focus on that every day and you will keep the grind going, whatever that grind looks like for you. But you got to have that why in your heart, in your soul. And if you're me, you put your why up in photos and words and pretty plaques all <laughs> over your office to remind you every day that you are supposed to focus on that to make yourself 1% happier and to really continue to strive for your dream. Wonderful. Really focusing on that vision for what you are creating as the, as the galvanizer for what you're doing right now. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. You have been really, really helpful. Uh, where can people find more of you? Yes, absolutely. So I would tell everybody um, my handles, all my social media handles are Dr. Stevie Don. So D-R-S-T-E-V-I-E-D-A-W-N, like a good Southern mama would say Stevie Don. So uh, that's where you can find me on social media. I'm also at drstevedon.com. And there you can even sign up for my free Bold Confidence webinar, which is something every speaker has to have. So check that out. Um, it's offered all the time, and I absolutely love uh, helping people with bold confidence. So go to drstevedon.com and check it out. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for spending your time with me, Elizabeth Tolis, here in the Emerald office. If you want to hear, watch, read, and learn more about entrepreneurship, focus, and living a life of impact, I invite you to check out Full Focus Entrepreneur, where I coach small business owners to be more effective, more organized, more profitable, and more impactful. If you're interested in listening to more of me talking to myself and others, please check out the Emerald office where all the episodes for all of my podcasts can be found. Both the Emerald Office and Full Focus Entrepreneur, as well as my social media and the show notes, can be most easily found at elizabethtolis.com. And I want to especially thank Eric Tolis, who made the sweet backtrack you're listening to now, and Maria Carius, who made the beautiful artwork that graces this podcast's cover. A link to all of Maria's art can be found in the show notes.